Live from New York, it's Ask an Engineer. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Ask an Engineer. It's me, Lady Ada, the engineer. With me, Mr. Lady Ada on camera Ooh. control and behind the scenes uh, chit chat and everything and, and dropping the discount code, uh, which, which he's, do that. he's gonna do that shortly. I'll do that too. We're <clears throat> broadcasting live from the info headquarters behind us. It's a real factory, so we do all of our kidding and shipping and manufacturing and coding and videoing and more. Uh, right now, everyone's home safe and sound and snug in their beds. Um, because we're done putting stuff together, which we were doing all day today. And a lot of stuff went into stock today, too, which is exciting. But now it's time for Ask Engineer, one hour-ish of news, videos, uh, butt jokes, and more. (laughs) Mr. Lady Ada, what's on tonight's show? On tonight's show, the code is Innowing, because we have a revision of a product. And uh, if you want to save 10% off in the store, all the way up till 1.59 p.m. Eastern Time tonight, use the code Innowing. Talk about some Adafruit live shows, including Show and Tell, which we just did a few moments ago. Time travel, look around the world of makers, hackers, artists, engineers, give you some news, what's happening in the world. We also have from the mailbag, we'll read some letters y'all sent to us. This week, no chip shortage. That's good news because we have the real world, R-E-E-L. That is when we get stuff in stock, parts on a reel, we tell you what we got going on. Things are looking brighter. We're starting to get stuff in stock. Help Wanted, go through a new job from jobs.adafruit.com. You can post your skills, or if you're a company or entity that's looking to hire awesome folks, post on jobs.adafruit.com. Advanced manufacturing and some made in New York City factory footage, some 3D printing. And then we have two, the, I, the segment's so nice, we're gonna do it twice. INMPI, we're gonna do two this week, Ublocks and Scotch, because last week we had so much stuff going on, could only do one, so this week we're gonna do two. New product. It's twice as nice. Top secret. We're going to answer your questions. And please go over to Discord, adafruit.it slash Discord. That's where we do all of this. Join 35,000 of us. We answer the questions towards the end of the show, but you can ask questions throughout the show. Community will chime in. You can hang out there 24-7 as well. All that and more on, you guessed it. Dun, dun. Ask an engineer. Sweet. Okay, so paying some bills. Yes. Um, don't forget, in wings to code. And when people buy stuff related, what do they get? Okay, so we've got still $99 or more a free Permaproto half-sized breadboard. Um, we do not have the 149 freebie today. We actually ran out of KB2040. Somebody bought a whole bunch of them. Yeah. We're going to be making more uh, ASAP. But 199 or more, you get free UPS ground shipping in the continental United States. And 299 or more, you get a free Circuit Playground blue fruit. It's round. It's blue. It's got a Nordic chip. It's got it buttons, it's got a buzzer, it's got NeoPixels, it's got alligator clips, it's the blue fruit. Uh, a great way yeah. to code Arduino or CircuitPython um, on the NRF52840, a really powerful chip that has wireless capability. Okay. Um, don't forget, especially if you want to buy a Raspberry Pi, make an account on adafruit.com, verify your email address, and then set up two-factor authentication. That's how we're doing it. We put some in today. We put some in today. And uh, there was an article, I think, on TechCrunch about the Raspberry Pi shortage, except for Adafruit. Each week, we were able to put some in. And uh, it's also managed to defeat some of the uh, malicious folks out there that are buying Raspberry Pis and then selling them for 
hundreds of dollars. Not so, cool. Not cool. So this has managed to thwart them. So we're going to continue to do it. Also, it's good internet hygiene and security. Um, one little bit of uh, shipping notice, shipping alert, is on Monday. It's a holiday here at Adafruit. It's Indigenous Peoples Day, Monday, October 10th. It's a float holiday for our team. So uh, we'll probably be shipping, but there's also... Might be some delay. Might be some delay. So on Monday, October 10th, Digitist People Days, it's a holiday for the entire Adafruit team. Order the place after 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Friday. Maybe delayed. Please plan accordingly. Let's talk about our live shows, Lady Ada. Okay. By the way, we put the... Um, all the holidays are on our blog and social media and stuff. You can always check each week. We also have it on the it outbound email when you... It's also Yom Kippur. So say young car. We do a bunch of live shows. We just did show and tell. Um, be sure to watch all of them. Um, we had some of our team show some of the projects we're going to show tonight. Halloween so, theme. Halloween theme. Um, but if you want to see one of our products in action, DJ Devin Three showed off um, the Stemma Hub with all of the backpacks going. With Said it works great. Recent update from uh, Melissa as well. So do check that out. And don't forget, all this month, come by 7:30 p.m. Eastern Time. And you can show off your projects and, of course, Halloween costumes and more. Okay. Okay. Sundays we do, from the desk of Lady Ada, part one of this week's was... Well, I showed off a whole bunch of designs. I've just been on a tear doing a stem acutification. Um, I revisited uh, the Pico Bell, Pico Cow Bells. Um, I did a prototype one, and then I kind of promptly left it on my desk and forgot about it for two months. Um, but with the Pico W getting back into CircuitPython support, I was like, oh, I gotta revisit this um, this board. So uh, I made a little update to add a STEMQT port, and then I showed a little IR breakout, and uh, also talked about the TPS61040, uh, which is a, a little 20 volt boost converter breakout that I'm designing. Then we do the great search. It's brought to you by DigiKey and Adafruit. This one, Lamar uses her powers of engineering to help you, yes you, find something on digikey.com often it's hard to find things because things are out of stock but what did you find this week for folks and help them out with yes yeah, so we're still you know chip shortage is, is relaxing a little bit but we're still dealing with end of life stuff a lot of parts um you know they would be end of life and you'd have a couple of years to order them but uh the fan 5331 which is like really a very popular and one of our favorite um all-in-one boost converter chips. We use it for a lot of our OLEDs, um, backlight, biasing. Whenever you know something is like, I need 16 volts for this e-ink, and you're just like, what the hell? Okay, how am I gonna get 16 volts? Um, this little boost converter would, would do the job greatly. Unfortunately, it is now end of life. So we wanted to find a pin compatible SOT235 boost converter with a built-in switch that could take, you know, two and a half to five volts. So it's like, you know, three to five volts, basically, input and boosted up to about 20 volts. I don't need a lot of current because this is a biasing thing. So even 10, 20 milliamps is plenty um, just to you know activate the e-ink or, or OLED or whatever. And uh, so we found a couple options. Uh, I don't remember exactly which one. TPS61040 was out of stock and there was another part, which if you watch the show, it'll tell you what the part was. I don't remember the name. Okay. And then uh, JP's product pick of the week was this week. We're going to do the highlight. And don't forget, of course, JP show is tomorrow. But if you want to check out the product pick of the week this week, here it is. It is the Halloween M0. Spooky eyeball. One of the most versatile boards you can get, even though it is super specifically a Halloween style board. And then uh, go to the bootloader and you can drag and drop one of these UF2s. So let's try... 
uh, this dragon eye. So I'm just going to click on that UF2 to download it. Uh, and then I'm just dragging and dropping it again. Sorry, you won't, you won't see this because uh, I don't have my screen shared for that. But I'm just dragging spooky eye dragon.uf2. Uh, it's uploading it right now. And then it restarted. So now you can see we've got this nice spooky dragon eye. I can cover the light sensor to adjust the slitty pupil uh, dilation there. So that is my product pick of the week this week. It is the Halloween M0. Spooky. Okay, and then on Fridays at 5 p.m. we have Deep Dive with Tim. Time travel. Uh, getting ready to do some news about uh, Adabox. I'll tell you what I think we're going to do. We have... Um, we're finally at a, a if-then statement, I guess I could say. So if we happen to get the 5,000 parts-ish we need before the end of the month, we will do an Adabox. If we can't, we're going to send out an email because uh, we don't like to spam people for no, for, hey, here's no information. Uh, we're going to say, hey, Adabox resumes in 2023 because it doesn't make sense to try to ship something if we're not going to have the parts by then. But it looks like we'll be able to do the Adaboxes next year. No problems. It just nearly impossible to get 5,000 or something. You get 100 or something, you can get 100 or something once in a while. Harder to get 5,000 or something. So that's probably what we're going to do. We're going to wait till the end of the month, and when we do, we'll put it on adabox.com for shipping or not. Um, all of our social media profiles, places, this show, and then we'll send out one email, and uh, it'll just be a one-time email like, hey, feel free to cancel if you want. We don't charge anyways until we ship. We do have a few thousand people waiting, so if you leave, they will grab that spot. So you want to just like wait you'll know before it ships and then i think before the first one we do if we have to do early 2023 we'll every we'll let everybody know ahead of time hey remember adabock ship shortage year well we're about to resume shipping on that just have people have an idea that it's coming up let's do mailbag All right, I put the wrong camera underneath the uh, mailbag thing. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> My French fries. Yeah, there's some food. Sorry uh, about that. I visit yourself a couple times a week uh, to see the new products that have appeared. You offer new things so much faster than any other site. It's a blast. So it's certainly contributed to the sheer breadth of items you offer. Please keep going. Yeah. Next week, I'll make sure Sorry I... Sorry uh, about my snack making yeah. an appearance. <laughs> so because we don't have... Yeah. Because we don't have... Um, a chip shortage this week and we're starting to get stuff we're now doing a new segment uh called the real world this is the true story of nine strangers picking place to live in a factory to manufacture together and have their lives taped to find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real adafruit the real world all right, we got something in stock, Lady Ada. What did we, we get? We got chips. <laughs> we got reels of chips. Okay, so we've got the MMA 8451. We ordered this from DigiKey two years ago, almost to the day. Um, and we've gotten some here and there. We were able to fill some backwards. We finally have enough to put in stock. So if you've been looking for the MMA 8451, it's, you know, an old, um, I think, NXP accelerometer. I know it's a 14-bit triple-axis accelerometer. It was quite popular. Uh, we had thousands of people, um, you know, with back orders and signups, but uh, we've almost gotten through all of them, uh, thanks to a big delivery, uh, many reels, and so um, 
check it out. Yeah. If you're looking for it, it's now available again. It's been and there's a lot of them. It's been two years for a lot of folks, and uh, you know I'm not gonna. Maybe not two years. Sorry, it's one year, not two years. But it's still. But a one, lot of things we year. have are two years still. Yeah. And so for electronic. Oh, no, actually. No, it was because I think I think the uh, end of life was twenty was twenty twenty. Sorry, what year is it? Hi, yeah. how what's going on? It's <laughs> so um, you know one of the things I'm not I'm not in journalist mode, so I'm not really writing about this. It's hard to like run the business and also write about this industry. So one of the things I'm not doing is writing about some of the things that's coming up. Also, you know I feel like there's um, confidential information, even though it's not confidential that I'm I'm getting sent. It's like oh hey. Uh, I'm at XY company, XYZ company, we're going out of business, or we, we, don't ha- we have these parts, we're not gonna use them, or um, some pretty well-known uh, you know, electronic companies are just saying, hey, we're not, we don't wanna do this anymore, because it's been two years. Especially single-serving companies that have like one particular. Oh, it's been um, two and a half years, and it's like, it's two, it, you eventually you're like, I can't do this anymore, I can't wait around. You can outrun the bear for a while, except for eventually you can't. Eventually you get tired, but the bear is not tired. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, for a lot of folks, it went from pandemic to inflation, chip shortage to uh, some workforce challenges, global issues from uh, climate change with disruption in locations where there used to be a way to get stuff and then there isn't. And then there's weather and then there's you name it. It's just been happening. And there's also some political issues around the world. So a lot of folks are like, you know what? We're outy, so uh, we're starting to get stuff, but there is going to probably be some disruption. So we're still doing everything possible to work around that. You're probably noticing we have more and more stuff in stock on a more regular basis. Um, I think we have the BNO zero five five still in stock right now, yeah. which is amazing. And and one thing, you know, after after probably beginning of next year, I'll probably do a little bit of a recap of the things that we did. Um, we're definitely trying to make it so it's not spiky anymore. That we have consistent. Um, awareness of what's happening with the chips we're going to get in, with the parts, our production ability, and just all the wacky things that happen. Um, I think it'll be helpful to some some businesses to see how we uh, learned a lot of lessons because we assume if this happened now, it's going to happen again. So we want to, you know, fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice, shame on you know. Uh, there's there's that old meme, but hopefully um, this will just make us smarter, stronger, better, faster and uh, have more diversity in our supply chain and also be able to switch different chips out. So we'll see how it goes. And that's this week's Real World. Okay, um, I wanted, we have a jobs board and it's jobs.adafruit.com. And a lot of people post up their skills and a lot of people, you know what? I did it again. I, I put the wrong <laughs> camera underneath the thing. Okay. That's okay. Yeah. No, it's, it's just, this, it, you it, can't tell. It works, but it's like, eh. And. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah. So you can help miniaturization of existing medical technology. So uh, this is a freelance position and it's to take uh, something that currently exists, miniaturize it, uh, check out the uh, job listing on jobs.adafruit.com. We look at each one of these. There is, uh, just so y'all who are in the world, so there is a bunch of scams that happen. So one of the things to look out for, if you're on LinkedIn, people will approach you and they'll say that they're from other companies that, so you apply and you give them all your personal information. Then they say, oh, there's an application fee, all sorts of crazy stuff. Um, For the jobs that are listed on Adafruit, uh, 
Lamar and I take a look at each one and make sure it's a real company and there's nothing going on uh, nefarious. Um, and so far, it's had a really good track record of matching people with skills. With and companies. it's really focused. It's like there's no nonsense here. It's like yeah. these are just these are maker jobs, engineer but it, jobs. But, jobs. but that's happening quite a bit right now just because of the, the job market. You're probably seeing in the news lots of companies are doing layoffs and more. So people are like looking for jobs. And when that and happens. Like, oh, I want a remote job. So like, oh, remote. Yeah. You know, work from home. Make a five thousand a little bit a of a week. trick. Yeah. So just be Watch careful out. out there. All right. Python on hardware time. Okay. All right. Um, the big and only news we're going to talk about this week is CircuitPython 8 Beta 1 and all of the Pico W stuff that's going on. Yes. So what, what can people do? They can watch the show and tell and see what Jeffler showed off. But what, what it, why is this such a big deal? What can they do soon? Okay. So uh, CircuitPython 8 has been Espressif and Wi-Fi based. So a lot of it is about Wi-Fi workflow, adding more Wi-Fi chip support. Um, and so um, we did 800 beta one. We've been doing a lot of bug squishing. Dan Halbert has just been like crushing the bugs um, and Jepler's helping out as well. Uh, good work on them. And then thank you everybody for submitting bug reports. Um, we might also update to Espressive 5X. They did a new IDF release. Um, we're still chatting about it because we only want to do that if it helps squish some more bugs. We're, we, we have, I think, a bug list of about 30. Um, to get through before uh, we feel like 8 is in a really stable spot. So that's on the expressive side. So Dan Halbert's been working on that, fixing a lot of stuff. We fixed a lot of low power stuff. I was a little bit adamant of like, no, we can get 70 microamps. Like, figure out why, Dan. And he actually like went out and like spent a week on it and figured it out um, and, and got that fixed. So low power for expressive is also um, working. And I think he's working on some pin alarm stuff. And on the Pico W side, the Pico W's been out for a couple months and people were like, where's CircuitPython? And we're like, we just got this board the same time you did. Um, but one of the things we wanted to do is once we had, you know, Wi-Fi workflow and a couple other things going, we wanted to go back and um, make sure that the Pico W had Wi-Fi support in CircuitPython because our, our Wi-Fi stack in CircuitPython is really good. Like we have a lot of helper libraries and like uh, example codes for like tokens and authentications and, and our request library is really nice and handles all sorts of exceptions. And people have been able to like download and like stream MP3s and stuff. Like it was a very good, we have a really good job of um, lots of IoT projects, um, Adafruit IO support. We've had the um, Azure demos lately, which I want to redo with the Pico W. Anyways, so the good news is that Jepler has been um, spending a lot of time working on the Wi-Fi stack. So for this Broadcom chip, you know, we had to use this firmware and we have to communicate with it over SPI. Um, last week we had HTTP working, so you could open up TCP uh, and I think also UDP uh, sockets with um, unsecured connections, and that was a really good start. We always love to start with that. But of course, it's important for TLS 1.2 support everywhere that we also support that as well. So as of today, um, Jepler, if you should watch the show and tell, did a demo where you can securely connect to an HTTPS site. Uh, with SSL and it checks the certificate authentication. So it will let you know, you, we actually have a certificate bundle that we've used with um, Espressive chips and the Nina firmware and we, we, we copied that into um, the CircuitPython firmware. So it'll also not just connect securely, but it will verify that the um, certificate you got is signed by a root certificate that is stored within 
um, the firmware itself is first off we can update the bundle very easily um, but also you it's it's like really trustworthy uh, security so people can't man in the middle of it um, or woman in the middle of it and then um, we're gonna be working next on um, adding self-signed certificate support for people who do want you know you'll you'll be able to say in a self-signed certificate check this fingerprint or check uh, this uh, certificate public key and also client side authentication and that you know it's important for us to have a you know good security for IOT we really we you know chips are good enough these days to do SSL um, the pull request is still making its way through CI but uh, I think on Monday people can check out the CircuitPython meeting or look at the pull request in CircuitPython. You can see a draft PR, subscribe to it, and when it's ready for people to check out, I think especially with SSL, that opens up basically the entire internet. We would love to know if it doesn't work on a site. Uh, we'll add the root certificate. Okay. Okay. And that's this week's Python on Hardware. I mean, of course, um, do check out the entire newsletter, um, but I did want to great projects in this newsletter. Mention by the way. that specifically, yeah, the it projects goes are on epic and on and on and on. And one of the neat things is, especially with the Pico W, which has been pretty available and low cost, you'll be able to do kind of more of these advanced IoT projects that um, you know before you needed a heftier device or something that maybe had a screen or you know something that was designed just for that. But now you can do all these projects. They're kind of cool. Super cool. All right, we deliver that to your inbox every single week. Uh, go to adafruitdaily.com, completely separate site. Sign up for it. There's other newsletters that we do there too. No ads, no spam. Don't harvest the email addresses. Don't let anyone know about them. Um, the only way we do this is if, uh, or why we do this, because folks like it. So uh, we're trying to get to like 10,000 subscribers. So uh, we're getting close. So please sign up. That's our like metric maybe we'll do a little project with a pico w that says how many subscribers we have i we can do that very soon all right and uh and all this stuff is open source of course as always and speaking of lady data we have 2742 guides so many guides yeah let's start from the right and we'll work our way over Noodle Lantern, uh, no paid, we'll show the video. Um, they got up. our nudes and they were like, we wanna make art with these nudes. So they um, they made a really cool like sci-fi prop lantern and what we were talking about this on show and tell. What's cool about this prop is it's like, is it a fuel cell? Is it like the bomb you have to defuse? Yes. Is it the key to the spaceport? Like it's yes. kind of like a generic cool sci-fi prop, which I really love and it's like, it's you know it's just a very elegant beautiful like PWMing thing that does this cool swirly effect. Is it the key effect. to Vertigon City? Who knows? You don't know. Uh, so check that out. Um, it's a really beautiful project and uses uh, stem, stem, sorry uses a Cutie Pie and our uh, battery backpack friend um, for the Cutie Pie and it goes into a breadboard uh, from a proto. Um, so it's a it's a cute little project. Uh, and very nice uh, all build. Uh, Liz Clark has been doing a couple of PyLeap guides. Um, we're getting close to releasing a new version of PyLeap, which will add Wi-Fi workflow support. We have a video. Wanna, we're going to show the video. Show the video now. Yeah, this one is how to uh, take a clue board and then with our alligator clip NeoPixels, you send a program to it and then you can control the NeoPixels again with your phone. Leap into wirelessly controlling NeoPixels with an Adafruit clue and PyLeap. In this project, you'll use the PyLeap app to wirelessly load the project code onto your Clue. Then, you'll connect to the Clue with the Adafruit Bluefruit Connect app to change the colors and animations of a strip of NeoPixels over BLE. 
This strip of NeoPixels has alligator clips that can clip onto the Clue's pads, making for a simple circuit for this project. After pairing your Clue to the PyLeap app, scroll to the BLE-controlled NeoPixels with Clue project. Open it and press Run It to transfer the project files to your Clue over BLE. Your Clue will start running the project code. Once you've connected to the Bluefruit Connect app, navigate to the controller module. The control pad lets you choose animations with the number buttons, like Rainbow and Starry Night. The up and down buttons affect brightness, while the right button scrolls through the animations and the left button turns off the NeoPixels. With the color wheel, you can select colors to send over to the NeoPixels. You can change the saturation by moving the slider. Enjoy dialing in just the right color and watching the fun animations dance around the pixels. What else we got? Okay, Darth faders. Uh, so we got those motorized faders in a couple weeks ago and JP absolutely loved them. Uh, he did a really good getting started with motorized faders guide for Arduino and CircuitPython. And then we, we actually sent me a cool project. Somebody made like an art servo project with like waves. waves yeah. And I was like, oh, that'd be a cool thing to do with the motorized slider. It's totally not what it's designed for, but like, no. why not? So we made this like cool, weird 1980s goth sci-fi fader artistic yeah. project that here's goes on your desk. Yeah, and here's a little video clip. wait there's more okay and then finally uh we have another project a team effort uh here at adafruit called Cheekmate. it's yeah. a uh wireless haptic communication system um we actually recently qtified the drv 2605 and of course we've got those wi-fi cutie pies the sp32 s2 um and, and 32 and c3 and s3 uh, off making really small wireless projects super easy now. So we thought, let's see what, and we also have the, the backpack for the cutie pie. So this is a perfect timing uh, to do a project about how to transmit uh, data wirelessly and then use a haptic buzzer um, to signal. So I thought yeah. we could for- Well, what we wanted to do though, um, and I'm gonna start off with, uh, I'm gonna tell a story. I'm so, tell a story. Well, it, this, isn't, this isn't myth busters, but it, it's, it's kind of close. Um, we wanted to get to the bottom of some of the rumors we heard about cheating in chess. So uh, this was on CNN today, uh, chess.com. You <laughs> can't argue with chess.com. They, they've been investigating all this reports of chess cheating, and they say, uh, according to chess.com report, cheating in an over-the-board setting, which means like you're playing, you know, two people in the meat space. Um, Various methods such as hand signals from a nearby coach, or accessing a phone in the bathroom, a hidden device in a shoe, or a wire, or a buzzer taped to the body. Well, we've got buzzers. So we thought, well, let's see, like, what would this actually be like? And could you do it? Is it actually practical? Yeah. So we, we have wanted to investigate to, the science. We wanted to assess the situation. That's right. And rectify this rumor. Um, so here, here is the, uh, and this is in Morse code. Then we're like, oh, and uh, the guide's up, by the way. I guess I can go to this here. And yeah, and it's a real guide. And it's actually, what's funny is this is actually pretty useful. If you want to make 
a yeah. wireless haptic controller. Like there's people who are always like, oh, I want to like notify someone, but not audibly. I want to do it with the haptic feedback. Um, the DRV2605 is a great yeah. haptic motor controller. Um, so we took a deep dive in this and uh, we wanted to make sure that we knew, okay, so that's possible. Um, looks like you could transmit Morse code. I think that was queen to C5. And then um, we yeah. wanted to make sure it could go through because it said, oh, like, might be taped to a leg or a shoe or something like that. So um, then it's a meat. This is meat, and this is it getting uh, the the same message transmitted into meat. And. Um, it, it's probably, um, this isn't probably how people are cheating at chess, by the way. Apparently it's extremely loud probably, and noticeable. Prob probably not. But yeah, it's good to know. Yeah, so we wanted to make sure that we... Science uh, must be investigated. We're going to delve deep. That's right. So we wanted to make sure that um, we knew all the ins and outs. You know, some players play with their gut. Some, some need help. Uh, in other ways, yeah. and uh, I think we got to. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't want to make be, any assumptions. They could be flying by the seat of their pants. You don't exactly. know. So um, that project's making the rounds right now. We'll see it's how like it goes. It's a weird idiom too. Like, how do you fly? Balls? Yeah. Okay. And uh, you know, if you're thinking of becoming a crack chess champion and beating Magnus, um, here's your shot. But um, I don't think it's going to work the way you think. Uh, Still, the code's up uh, and it's open source and could be recycled into some other nifty project. Yeah. Okay, let's do some factory footage. printing time and we have uh, two of those projects that uh, I think we alluded to one is the new lamp and the other one um, what well, was the speed up and it's a cup of teeth okay kind of cool it's Halloween 
you can build a sci-fi inspired lantern using an Adafruit Cutie Pie and LED noodles. We 3D printed parts to build a container that showcases these flexible LED filaments. Each LED noodle is squished into these 3D printed holders and mounted vertically. A sheet of PET material wraps around internal mounting plates to resemble a glass container. Powered by the CutiePie RP2040, six individual LED noodles are wired up to the GPIO pins and controlled with PWM. The CutiePie snap fits into a small perma proto board so it's modular and easy to swap for an upgrade. It features a latching push button with a built-in LED ring for turning the lantern on and off. There's also a print-in-place handle with a built-in hinge that allows it to swing back and forth. It's running off a cylindrical LiPo battery so it's portable and will last for several hours. The LED noodles are individually controlled using the PWM library in CircuitPython. The USB port is accessible and can charge the battery with a LiPo charger BFF add-on. In the code, if the button is pressed, the LEDs slowly fade and if the button is not pressed, the LEDs stay off. CircuitPython makes it easy to drive LEDs so you can quickly develop your next DIY project. The enclosure features parts that are 3D printed without any support material. 3D models of Adafruit parts are available to download on the Adafruit CAD Parts GitHub repo. To power LED noodles, you want to use a choke resistor to limit the current flowing from your power source. Here we have a 3.7 volt LiPo battery with a 220 ohm resistor wired up to a solderless breadboard. Alligator clips make it easy to connect to your breadboard for testing polarity and your power source. Start by connecting an alligator clip to the cathode end of the noodle. The anode, or positive end, features a notable hole in the metal contact so it's easy to spot. For more documentation and some demo code, be sure to check out the learn guide on the Adafruit Learning System. We hope this project inspires you to check out LED Noodles and use CircuitPython for your next project. Don't forget, if you want to learn how to make all this stuff and more, you can hang out with Noam Pedro every Wednesday for 3D Hangouts. Okay. Um, we're going to do two back-to-back ION MPIs. That's right. Okay, two eyes. Yeah. Like a cup of teeth. You ready? <laughs> yeah. Okay, this week the first one is U-Blocks. That's is right. This week's INRP. I love featuring U-Blocks. They have such good quality products. Um, they've been making GPS modules for 20-ish years. Uh, they, you know, I remember when they, they first came out with their first series, and I was like, wow, these are really this is really cool that they have GPS units that are so sensitive. Their their specialty is you know the high quality, sensitive, a lot of information. Um, there's cheaper GPSs, but they only give you NMEA data, and U-Blocks will usually give you a lot more. 
and they're a lot more configurable and customizable. So their 10th generation of GPS modules are out. The Max M10, um, there's the S series and the M series. Uh, both are very tiny. I'll show them on the overhead later, but these are, you know, this is like a centimeter by a centimeter. They're very, very small. Um, they don't have the antenna built in, but they're very powerful. And like I said, this is the 10th generation. Um, so they're just improving and improving on the technology. Um, so the Max uh, M10, yeah, like I said, uh, this is um, their super miniature module. You do have to add an external antenna. However, you know, data does come out of it. You know, once you connect the antenna, uh, it can connect to up to uh, four different uh, GNSS uh, satellite systems. Uh, and it's pin compatible with some previous products. Not all of them. I mean, I know like some of them were bigger. They've gotten smaller since then um, compared to like the rectangular style that were popular for so long. Um, so there's the M10. Uh, M and there's the M10S on the right and um, they are slightly different so the um, M10M I mean they're both basically the same core on the inside uh, they connect to the same uh, GPS GLONASS Galileo and Beidou so GLONASS is Russian Galileo is European Beidou is Chinese I believe GLONASS is up I think Galileo and Beidou are not completely up yet but I have to check because I, I'm not I don't subscribe to GPS daily, so I'm not I'm not totally up on which GNS uh, systems are up and running. Both have UART and I2C. We'll take a look at that. The um, M10S has slightly higher sensitivity because it has a um, additional low noise amplifier and soft filter. Uh, it also uses a temperature compensated oscillator. Uh, that's the T under oscillator, whereas the M10M has the crystal oscillator, so it's a little cheaper. Um, but it's again not as sensitive. So basically, you know, you want uh, low cost, go with the M10M. Uh, it goes, another nice thing is it goes up to five volts to 1.8 to five volts where the M10S um, has a little bit extra hardware in there, temperature compensated, only up to 3.3 volts, uh, but it gets you another, I think it'll show another 3 dB of sensitivity while tracking. Um, so what it looks like, um, and I think we'll also look at the, the pinouts in a bit, but basically inside is, you know, uh, it's a microcontroller that handles the um, grabbing the data and doing the calculations and then converting it to the interfaces. So there is firmware running on it. Um, the modules you can see here, it has the, the RTC crystal and then the temperature compensated oscillator um, optional and then the low-dose amplifier and the soft filter, also optional on the S series, not available on the M. Uh, there's power, there's VDD-IO, there's VDD-RF, there's a couple power supplies, and of course there's a um, V-backup, which is the uh, coin cell, or I think you can also use like small rechargeable um, alkaline or lithium coin cell, you know, solderable coin cells. Uh, for battery backup to, to, to keep the RAM backed up so you don't have to re-download the entire Almanac each time. Um, this is where you can see all this, you know, the specifications, uh, but basically the detail you want to look at, you know, for the difference between the two is in um, acquisition underneath sensitivity, the M10M has negative 164 dBm and the M10S is one negative, negative 167. It also has slightly faster aided start um, otherwise, it's pretty much the same. So just tracking is, is a little different. Otherwise, um, they all have similar specs. Um, and this is the pinout. Uh, very simple. I like how it's very straightforward. Uh, you can see there's uh, right-hand side, there's time pulse out. That's pulse per second. Um, 
there is the battery supply, the reset pin, left has I scored C, right has uh, UART, there's safe boot end because I think you can upload the firmware if you want, if you have custom firmwares, because again, there's a microcontroller inside. Um, and then there's an RF and LNA area, which we'll talk about with, with when you have a um, active antenna, uh, you can use it to power the antenna and also do some uh, detection. Um, okay, so the UART interface, so, you know, standard UART NMEA output is classic for GPS units. Uh, if you need that, you got it. Uh, this one is going to um, be default 9600 baud, but you can see it goes up to almost one megabit or down to 4800. You know, all these standard uh, baud rates that you can use. Of course, if you have it, you know, giving you 10 hertz updates and you have all the sentences enabled, uh, you'll want something fast like 115 or, or 230 kilobit per second, um, 8N1. And then what I really like is they also have I squared C. I do like I squared C because, you know, for things like a Raspberry Pi computer or so even some microcontrollers, they don't have an extra UART. Or it's annoying because, you know, UARTs are, are you have to buffer the data yourself. So as each byte comes in, you have to quickly put it in and uh, into your buffer queue and then... Um, keep track of it, whereas I squared C it has its own internal buffer for I squared C. And then if you see at the bottom there, the register layout, most registers aren't used. You use um, registers FD and FE to read the number of bytes in the queue. And then you can just read continuously register, register OXFF to get data bytes in. I don't know exactly how big the queue is, probably like 64 or 128 bytes or something. Uh, very handy, you can run it at 400 kilobytes. One thing I do want to mention, or sorry, kilobits per second, there is a clock stretching interface. So, you know, some some chips do not like clock stretching. Um, just something to be aware of. You know, earlier Raspberry Pis didn't do a great job with clock stretching. You have to lower the frequency rate. Uh, so you'll just have to figure that out. I don't know how long the clock stretches for, but it is a microcontroller inside. It's not a hardware I2C interface. Um, these things are so small because they do not have a antenna, like some modules that you might be familiar with. And so you'll have to add either passive antennas, what a passive antenna looks like. Um, in this case, it has a uh, UFL connector or an active antenna. Active antennas are powered by clean 3.3 volts biased into the RF line. Um, but of course, you're going to get much better performance um, You know, with the addition of the draws an extra like 10 to 50 milliamps, whatever it takes. Um, this is an external antenna. So which do you use? It's totally up to you. You get to decide because you get to put the circuitry in. Um, so this is what it would look like for an active antenna. Um, you see there's uh, the antenna supply. You have an RC filter and inductor uh, to feed it into the antenna RF in. Um, if you're using a passive antenna, you just leave all that out. So super easy. Uh, you decide which one it is. There's also a antenna supervisor circuit, which I kind of think is interesting. Um, and this is really handy because a lot of times people, I've noticed people using, um, you know, they're using uh, antenna and it gets disconnected or the UFL or there's a short. And like my GPS doesn't work. It's very hard to debug a GPS because basically either you get a fix or you don't. So having an antenna supervisor is really handy. Um, it is a bunch of extra circuitry you have to add. Um, they do give you the layout. So like this is the three pin circuit. So it lets you detect open, closed, like shorted, whatever is it connected. It basically does everything, but it, it does require you to see, um, you know, comparator and a bunch of transistors. That said, 
if you want to build a really rigorous GPS um, into a product and you want to alert people that the antenna is not working or it's they, maybe they connected the wrong kind of antenna, um, that kind of thing is what makes your product a little bit better than just like, hey, you know, either it works or it doesn't. Because again, GPS is so opaque. Like either you're getting NMEA sentences and either there's a fix or there isn't. It usually doesn't tell you why you're not able to get a fix. Uh, another thing that I thought was interesting as I was researching this is that they actually came up with a kind of a, a cool idea. I'm, I'm hoping I'm describing this correctly, but they have ThingStream, 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 which is their IoT asset management you know, service because they do Wi-Fi and they do RTK, and they do GPS. So it makes sense that they have their own IoT backend that you can stream data, and I believe they use MQTT. But what's another interesting um, thing is that so, you know normally when you have a GNSS receiver, right? It's it's you're not getting the data from the satellites that's like telling you what your location is. You get these, you know, time pulse signals, and you take the calculation of the deltas and you figure out like, okay, based on like the movement through space and the almanac of where all the satellites are, it'll calculate for you. You can calculate your location by using triangulation. However, that does take energy and time and you have to have that almanac to know where every satellite is and so that's why it can take like 45 seconds to do you know a cold start and then this idea which is like well what if you don't do that what if you don't have to keep track of the almanac you don't have to calculate you just as long as you can get a couple signals from three satellites um, you can upload it to their service and their service will do all the math for you um, so it's really really fast because you don't have to do a cold start and then as long as you do have some Wi-Fi connectivity, maybe you have like an NB-IoT, you, know, you can quickly um, turn it on, send some packets out, or LoRa, send out that timing data to their service, and then it will calculate the location for you. So it, it's an interesting idea because on one hand, of course, you have to have Wi-Fi or cellular connectivity, but you don't have to keep track of as much. Like the GPS doesn't have to do as much work. So that was kind of an interesting idea, like offloading the GNSS calculation. And then finally, uh, good timing, there's actually a webinar that they're doing with DigiKey in a week. Uh, it's uh, a week from now, so sign up. Uh, if you go to uh, uBlocks or DigiKey's Twitter account, they've just uh, posted it. It's also, if you just Google for uBlocks, Accelerate Your Wireless Solution Development, um, uses their Explorer IoT, uh, Humidity Temperature Sensors, IMUs, Sincerion, uh, MicroE, looks like the SCD40 or 41 there. Um, it looks like a really cool way to get started with, you know, their, their IoT platform module that has Wi-Fi, MB-IoT, cellular, um, LoRa, Bluetooth, and uh, it's got STEM and QT and Quick Connectors on it, so you can add more sensors. Uh, and I think the webinar is free, you can just, and you can pick up the Explorer IoT kit, uh, which has one of these, um, I think, Max 10, GNSS modules inside of it. So it could be a really great way to get your asset tracker GNSS project up and running. Available at DigiKey. It's in stock. That's right. 9,000 of them. It's over 9,000. Um, so they have the S in stock. I think the M uh, isn't, but I, I will say one of the things is that like this wasn't, this was not in stock when I first started the INMPI, but it was like, it was so cool. I thought I would do it. And then like two days ago, suddenly they came into stock. So I did get some. I can show them on the overhead. Okay. Do you want to show that video after that? Yeah. Yes, but I just want to show this really quickly. 
Um, they have a cute little video, but I just yeah. want to show how unbelievably small they yeah, are. I'm gonna so have to let it refocus because it's uh, it's so it's, small, yeah. it's so tiny. Um, very tiny little module. So they, I mean, it's amazing how small it is. Of course, you'll need the antenna, but um, the antenna usually goes on the outside anyways, and it comes in uh, tape and reel. Okay, here's a video. See you on the other side. Yeah. take a little bit of break in between the INMPIs because we're doing two this week. That's right. Because we wanted to catch up because last week got super busy. Um, in regular old Adafruit news though, in a wing, that's the code. Use it in the store to buy all sorts of things. And uh, you of course get free stuff on the way out from shipping to cool things like a circuit you playground blue fruit. You can buy some electronics. You can, you can stick up your butt. <laughs> no, you can't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. You're Ain't editing that out. We're editing that out. Uh, don't do that. All right, let's do the next line of Okay, next up is Scotch Brand, which everyone's probably familiar with. Um, one of the most well-known brands in the world. But what do they have that could possibly be a new product that is going to be in here this week? Okay, so... It's scissors, and you're probably like, Lady Ada, you know, usually do electronics, advanced Wi-Fi modules, chips, um, the latest, you know, microcontrollers. Why are you highlighting scissors? And the answer is, have you ever had bad scissors? Because if you have, it's like it kind of ruins your life. Like I, there's On Twitter today, I saw it was National Scissoring Day, and it wasn't what I, it was, it's a wrestling thing, by the way. Okay. I, I thought it was something else. I'm just like, oh, no. And I'm just like, okay. what is this? Well, I'm not but, a social media. So but, but it's a, it's a wrestling, like wrestling move or whatever. Yeah. But, so it's very timely we're doing this. These are really great scissors. Mm. And, uh, you know, I used to sew when I was younger, um, but now I do electronics. And, you know, my pair of, of these scissors, and I, I got a couple pairs of these, are so handy. Um, and what I really like is, you know, once in a while I'm like, here's this most advanced electronics. And sometimes I'm like, here's a tool that you just toss into your DigiKey cart. And then next time if you're checking out, it'll be there waiting for you. And then when you get it, it's like a gift. Um, so it's actually a series of a bunch of different scissors. Uh, these are the precision scissors. Um, I did get two pairs. One I kept at home and one I brought in. So I'm going to put it on my desk. Um, they're really smooth. They're comfortable. You can use them. I'm right-handed. Use them with the right hand, but apparently they're left-handed as well. Um, you know, if you care for them, uh, they will last you uh, forever. 
Uh, and they're great for, you know, I use scissors all the time with electronics. I'm cutting open packaging. I'm, I'm splicing cut tape onto the, you know, pick and place feeders. Um, you know, I'm cutting conductive or foam tapes. So there's always materials and stuff I'm cutting. So I'm using my scissors all the time. Uh, and really good scissors are really, really satisfying. I found this like ASMR video yeah, about nice. gliding your scissors. <laughs> It's so nice. Again, I was used to cut fabric, but if you do, uh, look, you get two of these. One can be used for paper, one can be used for fabric. Um, I found, you know, I was like looking for funny memes about, uh, you know, why you shouldn't use fabric scissors for cutting paper or, or metal like I do, you know, if you're cop cutting copper tape. Um, and I found this, and I was actually kind of like a little bit weirded out by this comic because I was like, wow, that's an MIT mug and it's the correct logo. Um, which is a very big deal for me because they changed the logo like a couple years after I graduated and I think I don't like the new logo so I was kind of like why is why did this person pick the correct logo and then I realized it's Jen Lopez who used to write for Voodoo and do cartoons and I, I think probably lived in Senior House uh, really cool and she has like a, a company now that does quilting and does comics about engineering and making and crafting so uh, check out her comic series while you're waiting for your scissors to ship because uh, this is both a very funny comic it's very nicely drawn and she's got a very cool maker company um, there's about 10 different scissors available they have kid scissors crafting scissors uh, little snippies big scissors multi-purpose um, I picked up two of the multi-purpose they also have the, of course the precision but there's basically a whole set and they've got a bunch in stock and they're super inexpensive. They're like under 10 bucks a piece. Um, another thing I was, while I was looking for more deets about these scissors is I realized 3M, again, it's another thing to do while you're waiting for your scissors to ship. Uh, they've got a cool science at home experiments page with like dozens of projects. Um, and it looks like they even got some celebrities come by and, and, and do some projects as well. But uh, during COVID, but you know, we can benefit now even if kids are back in school, they just posted a ton of science and maker and STEM projects that you can build with stuff around the house using, you know, like as you expect, scotch tape and scissors and cardboard and, you know, whatever materials else you've got. Um, so check it out. Uh, these are really awesome science experiments. Um, great for young kids, classrooms. Um, if you have, you have to kill some time on the weekend because it's rainy out. Maybe the kids are indoors uh, for the holidays. Uh, and you gotta entertain them and uh, keep them off the Netflix. Uh, check out some of these science at home experiments. They are um, really heartwarming and uh, they teach good science too, good crafting. Available in Suzuki, they have some in stock. Yes. And uh, do you wanna, do you wanna well, show I these could, off? Well, I could do the ASMR scissors because they're right here. So I got, I got a pair, I was like, well, you know, like this is a good excuse for me to get an extra pair of scissors. Here's the thing. If you have used somebody's fabric scissors to cut paper and now they're angry with you, Buy them another pair of scissors and be like, and it's like a peace offering and they'll be happy. So this is, it's really nice. That nice, these on the overhead? nice smooth action. Yeah, these are, so these are the, these are not the precision. I will admit I got, I, I kind of misclicked. I ordered the uh, general purpose scissors. But they've got the nice soft, um, this is like hard plastic and this is like soft silicone rubber. So they're very comfortable. And they've got a little place to you put your fingers and ooh, they're, just, they're so nice. So anyways, I really like these scissors. All right, and we have a little short video too. Oh, and then also, by the way, the tips are, are nice and strong too. They, they do the thing. You actually want this where there's, 
they're curved. Oh. See how they're not, they're not flat? That's actually good. It means you always get a really strong cutting edge and you can nip with the ends very easily. Okay. Scissors aficionado. There are thousands of tasks where you need scissors. And Scotch Brand has the right scissors for any job. Scotch multi-purpose scissors are perfect for everyday use with a soft grip handle and quality stainless steel blades. The right choice for daily cutting needs. Great for around home and office, anywhere you need to cut. Scotch Precision Scissors get down to detailed cutting business with smooth cutting action, precision sharpened blades, and a variety of lengths for precise cutting big or small. The scissor when details matter. For tough sticky tasks, Scotch Precision Ultra Edge Non-Stick Scissors have three great features. Titanium coated blades that stay sharp beyond 100,000 cuts. The scissors for hard working cutters. Non-stick coating resists buildup of adhesive residue for cleaner cutting. And a soft grip handle for comfortable repetitive cutting. Scotch Precision Ultra Edge Non-Stick Scissors are making the cut. Scotch Multi-Purpose, Precision, and Precision Ultra Edge Non-Stick. High quality scissors for every task. Okie dokie, and uh, for new products this week, we're going to do this. Um, we have a revision this week because we had to... It's a light week. Yeah, so we have one thing that we want to go over because we're going to get out of here pretty soon. We have two NPIs, but let's uh, do the new products. New, 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 Okay. Yeah. It's a light week, but we, don't worry. There's a lot coming. It's just, we, you know, we had a lot of new products last week, and, and I've been doing a lot of revisions. Don't worry. There, there's more on the way. Uh, you're going to love it. But uh, this week, we just did a one revision. Wanted to get a product back in stock. So the INA 219. Oh, I got to say this. The star of this show tonight is uh, the product. Is the product. Our staff, our team, um, all the folks who make uh, this possible, our community, uh, everyone here at Adafruit. Not the guy who posts on Twitter. He's been fired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's been sacked. The person responsible the, for sacking him has also been sacked. <laughs> yeah. Um, the We got accepted to be the, the new cast members on SNL, so we're ditching this electronics biz, and we're just going to do parodies and puns from now on. Anyways, uh, the new product of the week is... The INA 219 Feather Wing, shown here. Uh, it's great for doing high or low side voltage and current measurement. Not a new new product because we've had this for a while. Um, this is the version we used to have. Oh, it's so cute. It uses the SOT 238 version of the chip. Uh, it uses the 219B uh, version, although we never really said specifically it was the 219B. However, that package of the chip we can't get right now, uh, but we can get is the SOIC version. Uh, so we just rotated this. So yeah, we have to retake the photo. To retake the photo. But I wanted to line up. It's on. We, this photo is from the space station it's, today. It's this fun. went on. Let, a lot of people don't know. This was on the SpaceX launch today, uh, and this is how it was shot. So yeah. What are you gonna do? Uh, right, let's go to the next photo because it's a little bit more clear. Yeah. So basically, instead of that tiny SOT twenty three eight. Uh, we're now using a SOIC8 chip instead, which means that the uh, jumpers for the address move to the bottom. And we also um, may use the 219A or 219B. The 219B, I think, has 
Precision, the 219A has 0.5. Um, here's the thing, the resistor is only 1% anyways, so it's, you know, you're not gonna get better than 1%. It's still an excellent, excellent chip, um, but just we wanted to keep it in stock. We didn't wanna wait, you know, we were, we're getting lead times of another six months until we could get the smaller chip version. We'll revert to that when we get back to it, but for now, again, we wanted to get this back in stock and um, doing a quick PCB revision to use an SOIC size chip uh, did the job. It otherwise works exactly the same. Uh, it just looks a little bit different. New, 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 new. Okay. Um, don't forget, in-wing, it's a code. Uh, let's do top secret. Go over to Discord, adafruit.it slash Discord. Put your questions in there. Um, let's do top secret, and then we'll get to the questions I have lined up. Okay, this week, this is uh, one that we just filmed just a few... Just testing on a prototype. Feel, feels like moments ago. Um, here it, it was is. like yesterday. All right, Lady Ada, what is this? I'm testing out a new design I made. Um, we actually just published a project that uses WLED on an ESP32 Cutie Pie. And Aaron was like, oh, I wish there was an easy way to level shift NeoPixel signals for um, LED work on Cutie Pies, because they're all three volt logic and NeoPixels really want five volt logic. So I made this little uh, BFF, little backpack. You can select different signals, um, you know, MOSI, uh, SCK, RX, TX, SCL, and A3 are some options. And there's also a signal pin here. Uh, and this is a, 74AHT125G1 level shifter, so it'll shift the three volt signal to five volts. And then um, it also gives you a five volt signal from the USB line. So, you know, for strips of up to like 100 pixels, you might be able to power directly from USB for clean NeoPixel signaling. Okie dokie, and that's, we, that's this week's top secret. All right, I got a bunch of questions. We do, I have some lined up. Here we go. First, uh, completely random question. The Cherry <laughs> used to make the locking MX switches. There would be a great fit for the Walkman a couple weeks back. Also, sourcing new ones would be really oh, nice. Oh, yeah, I know what you mean. I don't, I've not yeah. seen anything like that, but they would be really cool. Okay. I agree. <laughs> Hello, beginner here. Is it possible to import libraries like mathplotlib, uh, numpy, OpenCV to CircuitPython? Mm. It's a good question. So CircuitPython that runs on microcontrollers cannot import something like OpenCV or NumPy or Matplotlib. However, there are some similar libraries. Uh, like instead of NumPy, we have MicroShoot, ULab. Yeah. Yeah, we have ULab, which is NumPy-like. It doesn't implement all of NumPy, but it does have some array optimizations. It's, it's a sped up version of, because um, built into, in, in C, it's built into the core. What you can do instead is if you really need OpenCV, um, you need something like a Raspberry Pi computer to, to do it with, you can run CircuitPython libraries and code by using Blinka, which is our layer of, it's a library that basically lets you use all of our sensors on something like a Raspberry Pi computer. Um, so that way, if you want to like use these advanced libraries, you'd run Python 3 on your single board computer and then get sensor data to do your data analysis with using Blinka, which is a CircuitPython library layer. Okay. Uh, for the haptic communication system, do you need to be a backend developer? No, you can use the no code uh, stuff from Adafruit.io. And uh, could someone possibly install a backdoor in this? 
No, not really. I mean, if you're using CircuitPython, you can inspect the code and everything. I'm not sure I get that. It's question. all open source yeah. software. It's all open source. Okay, uh, next question. Um, speaking of pins and headers, any way to engineer an RPI camera onto an RP, uh, sorry, a Pi 400, which lacks the camera header? It's a really good question. I don't believe that they have even a socket for it, so you, you want to use a USB camera. Okay. It's one of the... You can't use them. the microphone, there's no audio, and there's no camera. Any RA8875 upgrades? Not only is there no upgrades, that chip is basically being discontinued. It's kind of a bummer because I rather like it, but um, it's, yeah. it's, it's not long for this world. The, the price is only going up and up and up. Um, eventually, it will no longer be available. All right. This, uh, this tutorial seems to be getting all the questions this week. Um, so where do you get these little tubes? Oh, this is actually a really great question. So these tubes are they're called soda bottle preforms. Um, and they were used in the Poi project. Um, and where can you buy them? I mean, oh, yeah. I think you can Google for soda bottle preforms, but I remember Philby mentioned. Yeah, I think yeah, still have these the, back then. These I haven't charged these up in a while, but yeah, they don't these used to, to be like two liter bottles. Yeah, they're what they're used to they, make two, they liter they two liter but, bottles. Yeah, they get heated up and then they get expanded. So these um, light up and you, you spin them around. Honestly, I would just Google for it. I'm sure they're available from like crafting supply stores or maybe like Amazon or something has them available. Okay. They're really um, great. They're like waterproof and they're durable and they're very easy to use. And of course they have a standard cap top. Yeah. So good for waterproof project. And they're, and they're quite large. They're great for, you can, you can definitely shove a okay. lot of electronics. In How there. hard would it be to make a host transceiver for a Bluetooth headset to take the place of a smartphone or computer? Uh, for example, an intercom. Oh boy, um, a host for Bluetooth audio. I, I ESP32 may have example code for it, maybe. Uh, although I think they only have client side. Uh, I know a Raspberry Pi could do it because it has you know a full Bluetooth stack and people connect their speakers to the Raspberry Pi computer. That's probably the easiest, smallest thing you okay. could do. Um, can you connect a low power three volt PIR directly? up to a PCF 85, sorry, 8375. Probably, I don't see why not. If it has a, like a totem output, um, like a push-pull output, it should work, but I'll say I haven't tried it. All right, uh, last two questions of the night here. I got some MCP 23017 ESP NDs, but nothing in the data sheet. Is ND some kind of nomenclature I don't know about? ND is uh, just DigiKey's new DigiKey part number indicator, so you just ignore that. Okay. Uh, next up. Uh, one will be more colored OLEDs with high resolution and small form factors like 2-inch or 2.3-inch available alternative to the ISP TFT. I don't actually see a lot of new OLEDs coming out, um, especially not in the, in the maker hobbyist pricing market. Um, to be honest, all of them are MIPI. They're not going to be SPI. Um, if they're if they're OLEDs for phones, uh, instead uh, just use IPS TFTs. IPS TFTs look really good. All right, and here's another question: uh, How hard would it be to make a custom Bluetooth headset? It's kind of like a pain. I mean, you know, Bluetooth audio is just really, you know, if there's if there's a thing that does exactly what you want out there, I know that there's a little like Bluetooth audio you know, adapter boards you can use. Um, they're really low cost and they're really simple. If they happen to do exactly what you want, you're good to go. But like firmware, it's really hard to write firmware for Bluetooth audio stacks. It's just like, it's just not like, it's just not 
well documented. It's not really common. Um, it's yeah. It's not like Bluetooth Energy with a lot of example code. Like Bluetooth Audio, it's like either if the examples they're great. If it isn't, it's like you really don't want to be messing around in that stack. It's kind of kind of sucks. Okay, and that's our questions this week. Thanks everybody. All right, so that's our show. Don't forget the code all the way up to 11.59 p.m. tonight in Wing. Get you 10% off in the store. And it's free stuff, too. Uh, we'll see everybody next week. Thanks for helping us get to the bottom of a lot of mysteries this week. Um, we'll see everybody next week, 8 p.m., Ask an Engineer. Uh, thank you, Jesse May, behind the scenes. Thank He's you, Jesse May. He's been helping May. out with stuff. Um, this has been Native Fruit Production. Here is your moment of Zener. It's all my fault. <laughs> you blame me. Yep. Thank <laughs> you.